The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Let me tell you about who deserves a shot the United States Heavyweight Let's hear it. I'm the champion. I ought to know. You know, I've, I've been sizing up guys since I came to the WCW. And I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, El Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler. You're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. Whoa. I don't see any Whoa. reason. Wait a minute. El Dandy has been wrestling in, in, in the cruiserweight division here. Please. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but thank goodness sakes, it's 50 pounds Who different. are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk about some serious how about, the, how about hypnosis? Let's get thrown Psychosis? Psychosis? Whatever, whatever. He's a great wrestler. You know... Hello, and welcome to this special edition of the WrestleCast. I'm joined by, returning for his second edition on the WrestleCast, Michael, a.k.a. at WrestleGrade. What's going on, Mike? Not much. Just hanging out in the wake of All In. Yes, we're here uh, this evening to talk about All In, the aftermath of StarCast and All In that took place this past weekend in Chicago, Illinois. Your backyard, Michael. So mm-hmm. we're going to get a first-hand perspective from you, uh, talking about everything that had to do with All In and everything that surrounded it. So first, let's talk about Starcast, the big podcast convention with tons of live shows and panels and a roast and meet and greets and just the whole weekend full of festivities. So, kind of talk about some cool things that you encountered uh, at StarCast the three days that that event was being held. I love StarCast. It was kind of like the WrestleMania access for the very smarky wrestling fan. Uh, I was all in it for the meet and greets. I got to meet Cody and Marty Skrull and Hangman Page and Pentagon Jr., which they were all super humble guys because they were able to pull this off miraculously and make it a huge success. Uh, Starcast was also just a really good community to see people in real life and go be social with wrestling fans. And just, I met a ton of really good people and it was really weird walking down hallways and stuff. And you'd bump into people like James Ellsworth and Flip Gordon, just big stars. And then you would get to say hi. And then they talk to you. It was, I mean, it was WrestleMania access for the humble wrestling fan. I had so much fun. What was the coolest uh, panel or uh, a meet and greet that you actually got to, you know, sit down and be a part of? It was great to see the Monday Night War debate because they were not pulling any punches. It was Eric Bischoff and Bruce Pritchard with Bischoff, obviously, representing the WCW and Bruce Pritchard for the WWF. Uh, They just went full backstage, talked about the steroid trial and it was really funny. And it was awesome to see backstage perspective on wrestling that I didn't really grow up on, but watched before I watched most of the modern day stuff. So it's cool to have a different understanding on that. Yeah. I bet you that that would be something to uh, be a part of. Uh, live and in person because I'm pretty sure they talk real inside stuff that they really can't put out on podcast that you know you have to kind of be there to hear it so it can only travel that once yeah so uh, anything else that stood out about uh, did you get a chance to see Conrad Thompson or meet him bump into him 
Yeah, Conrad Thompson was a great guy. He was just the mastermind of this event, so he was everywhere. Um, it's kind of the dude who was directing traffic when everybody was confused because for the first couple of days it was a confusing convention, but once they got it figured out, it's super fun. And meeting the wrestlers was awesome too because they weren't like WWE guys who were like, you're just one of my many fans, get it over with. People like Cody took the time to get to know you and signed and hung out with fans. It was awesome. All right, all right. So I know that Conrad saying that uh, that was going to be the only one, but I think maybe after he, you know, gets a chance to decompress and get some feedback, he'll probably get geared up to do it again if they decide to do a second all-in. So let's go ahead and get into the actual event that took place on Saturday from the Sears Center. We're going to start with Zero Hour at the pre-show. That was on WGN, so hopefully a lot of people got a chance to see that nationally. And that took it all in. And it started out with the Briscoes versus Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, also known as um, SoCal Uncensored. So SCU. <laughs> so... SoCal Uncensored, they come out in their Rocky Three inspired gear. Um, the Briscoes hit the J, the J Driller and the Froggy Bow connect on Frankie Kazarian, but Scorpio Sky makes the save. The Briscoes call for the Doomsday device, but Frankie Kazarian counters it into a Spanish fly, and Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, they get the win. First thing I have to say about the show was it felt like WrestleMania in there. I've never been to WrestleMania, but I would imagine that's exactly what it felt like. They had the whole stage set up, and I've been to indie wrestling before, and it just felt like a WWE show. All the production was top-notch. And then SCU was so hot in Chicago. Yeah, the people definitely are uh, big fans of them. Uh, Scorpio Sky is just amazing, and uh, he looked really good in this match, so... Uh, big shout out to them and you know this was something and, and what's cool about this is like some of these matches the whole build comes from being the elite the YouTube series and it seems like a lot of the fans there were in tune to that series so it just shows you how big the following is that they have just from basically that's how this got put together was just you know people following that series mm-hmm it was a different kind of crowd too than anything I've ever been a part of because if you're going to a Chicago wrestling show, it's just all the Chicago fans and you can find a ton of casual people in there. But everybody in that arena was a huge wrestling fan. And actually when I talked to people at the convention, I was one of the only Chicagoans. People were coming from around America and I saw some people coming from around the world to go to this show. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, this is probably the biggest thing that's ever happened to indie wrestling ever. And so the fans definitely turned out to be a part of it, to show support and to make history. So shout out to y'all. Kenny Omega, he's interviewed backstage and he puts over tonight's match with Pentagon as a dream match. And he wants to make it a match for the ages. Then we have the 30 person over budget the battle royal. I'm going to take it down to the last four. So we have Jordan Grace, Bully Ray, Colt Cabana, and the El Chico El Luchador who was tossed out early but not eliminated. 
So Jordan Grace hits a power bomb and dumps Brian Cage. Bully Ray now comes face to face with Jordan Grace and he breaks her eyes. Bully then takes Jordan Grace up top and uh, follows her up, but Colt Cabana is there and dumps Bully Ray back to the mat and then they do the what's up headbutt to Bully Ray. Bully Ray tosses Jordan Grace over the top and he's all alone with Colt Cabana. Bully Ray takes Cabana down and but misses the Centon splash. Colt Cabana gets a chair and lays into Bully Ray, but Bully Ray tosses Colt Cabana. Chico El Luchador returns, and it's Flip Gordon, and he eliminates Bully Ray to get the win. So, they pay off the book flip, uh, being the elite angle, and Flip Gordon, by winning this, gets a chance at the ROH champion later in the mat, uh, later in the night. So, this was a fun little battle royal. The people were really into it. It was booked really well. Everybody got a chance to do something cool, um, you know, from Rocky Romero to Jordan Grace to Brian Cage. So I, I thought this was done really well. It was actually pretty awesome. Uh, I didn't know most of the guys because I'm a very New Japan Ring of Honor mainstream guy and I'm not uh, – watching stuff like PWG this weekend got me into PWG, but there was this guy, Marco stunt in the match <laughs> who I thought was doing awesome. Is that the little skinny dude who got pounced out of the ring on the, on the one gif a couple of months ago? Yeah. yeah. He was doing like hornswoggle style comedy, but it was like insane because it was to another level. And then when flip Gordon unmasked, that was probably the lar- largest pop of the night, at least for me, because I'm a pretty big Flip Gordon fan, and it was great to see him finally booked, and I did not expect it. Yeah, so, um, again, great payoff to the being the elite story of, uh, you know, making sure that they finally got Flip Gordon onto the show by hook or by crook. So, good for him. So, we move into our main show as we have Maxwell Jacob Friedman, or MJF, versus Matt Cross, a.k.a. Son of Havoc, for all you Lucha Underground fans. MJF attacks the arm, and then he hits the stub-draping power driver, but Cross kicks at it too. MJF tweaks his knee, and then Cross hits a diamond cutter. Cross goes up top, and he hits his shooting star press, and Matt Cross gets the win. So, good opening match. They didn't do anything too crazy. Um, you know, kept it in the ring for the most part. And uh, Matt Cross, you know, got the win. I felt like Matt Cross could have done something crazier here. But MJF was an awesome heel. I just, I went in calling him just Miz 2.0. But he actually was really funny during the match. And playing the live crowd was a good job by him. Um, Matt Cross did his flippy stuff. And this was a match announced right at the last minute. So I think that he could have done more of the flippy stuff, but it was a, it was an okay match to start off. the show. Yeah, it was, you know, perfect. Like I said, perfect to start off the main show, you know, didn't go too overboard because he had a whole night full of guys who, you know, were going to step up to that level. So we had Sean Mooney doing a backstage interview with Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis puts over the match with Cody as well as the NWA World's Championship. So we get a fun match as we have the Arrow, Stephen Amell versus Christopher Daniels. 
Stephen Amell fights and knocks Daniels to the apron, and Daniels is rolled onto the table. Amell flies off the top with an elbow drop, but Christopher Daniel moves, and Stephen Amell eats all the table to the chance of broken arrow. Broken arrow. Special guest, referee Jerry Lynn rolls Daniels back in the ring, and then he rolls Stephen Amell back in because Jerry Lynn wants a proper winner. But, Steve, but uh, Christopher Daniels is pissed. Jerry Lynn removes his ref shirt, and uh, Christopher Daniels shoves him, and Stephen Amell gets a roll-up for two. Christopher Daniels goes back on the attack, laying in strikes to Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell asks for more, and then he throws the bird up to Christopher Daniels. Amell counters the angel's wings and covers for two. Christopher Daniels hits a backbreaker, and then he hits the BME, and Christopher Daniels gets the win over Stephen Amell. I was shocked by Stephen Amell in this match. I was just remembering a SummerSlam match with Neville against uh, Wade Barrett and Stardust, and he surprised me there. But this was a whole other level. From an actor to a wrestler, he was just flying. And he took some hard bumps, too. He did a coast-to-coast, which, I mean, I couldn't do under years of wrestling training. And then he took a table spot to the outside. I mean... I think he definitely has a future in the business if he wants to continue. I mean, I was just shocked. I knew that Christopher Daniels was probably calling most of the shots of the match because he's been wrestling for two decades. And it was just, it was my favorite match of the show um, at this point. But it definitely got topped. Yeah, I, I was very impressed by Stephen Amell as well. Especially uh, once he went for the coast and coast to coast and got it, and like you said, he was definitely holding his own, and uh, he was taking as good as he was given. So, a good showing by Stephen Amell. So next up, we had the four corners match, four corners women's match between Tessa Blanchard, Madison Rain, Chelsea Green, and Britt Baker. Tessa Blanchard hits a back elbow, but Madison Rain hits a crucifix bomb for a two count. Britt Baker hits the fisherman's buster. And she gets a two count. Chelsea Green cuts Britt Baker off. She hits an unprettier, makes the pin, but Baker gets her foot on the ropes. Green hits a destroyer on Tessa, and that only gets a two count. Tessa hits the hammerlock DDT on Green, and Tessa Blanchard picks up the win. Um, this was my favorite match of the night, actually. <laughs> Up to this point, I, I really was impressed by this. I, I Chelsea Green was doing her, like, crazy side and it seems like she kind of has honed it in it's not too crazy anymore like it used to be and i was really impressed by this and tessa blanchard is really moving up the ranks really fast she's really impressive this match impressed me too the crowd was starting to feel a little bit burnt out after the amelis daniel match and then uh they just this was the first this is awesome chant of the night. Everybody was going crazy. And it was awesome exposure for these women who are some of the best in independent wrestling. And I mean, it's kind of showing WWE with their evolution show that we have women here that can almost do it better. Um Tessa Blanchard impressed me the most though. And I think I think she has a good career in her future. And Britt 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 Baker came out to Adam Cole's theme song, which I thought was an awesome tribute. (laughs) 
Next up, we had Nick Aldis versus Cody Rhodes for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Brandy Rhodes, DDP, Glacier, Tommy Dreamer, as well as Cody's dog all come out with Cody for his entourage. And we have Sean Devari, Tim Storm, and Jeff Jarrett come out with Nick Aldis in his entourage. Baby Earl Hebner is the referee. And so we got a big fight feel to the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match. Nick Aldis hits Pal Driver and he heads up top. Brandy Rhodes comes in, checks on Cody, and she covers him up. And Nick Aldis hits an elbow drop off the top on Brandy and Cody, and he covers for a two count. Aldis slaps Cody around, but Cody fires back with a disaster kick and crossroads, but that only gets a two count. They trade strikes, and Cody looks for it, Dens fire, but his back gives out. Aldis goes for the sunset flip, then Cody gets the sit-down pin for the win, and Cody Rhodes is the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. You remember from the last podcast, I am a diehard Cody Rhodes fan. Um, So this match was something else, and it was both like a boxing match more than a wrestling match. These two felt like an actual sporting encounter they had the entrances that taped them walking from backstage and it the nwa title has been tossed around a little bit in the past couple of years with billy corgan buying the company recently i think this brings a lot more prestige into the match and this is the only match i've rewatched since the show because i'm like at the show it was kind of slow they took a lot out of the middle of the match when cody uh got knocked out by all this midair punch to go under the table and bleed to create a good visual for the rest of the night. But uh, I just thought this match got better and better the more that I watched it. I've just such an appreciation for how old school this match was. Uh, I mean, I have a little bit of bias because Cody is my favorite wrestler, but I thought this was one of his best matches. Yeah, it was definitely uh, different than in any other match on the show. Like you said, they definitely had a slower pace. They didn't take nearly as many chances. I think that big spot where Cody came off and all this caught him with the punch was kind of the big high spot of the whole match, really, um, as far as, like, you know, from the outside, you know, of the ring perspective. So, you know, it was really like an old-school NWA championship match like you know somebody would have had in the early 80s or late 70s and you know it, it it fit this card perfectly because you had so much stuff like the match that came after it that dealt with so much plunder and stuff like that that it was kind of like a good palate cleanser right here in the early part of the show to get everybody psyched and primed up for what was yet to come so good deal good deal we had adam page Versus Joey Janela in a Chicago street fight. Joey Janela sets up a ladder and then a table. Joey Janela lays Adam Page on the table and climbs the ladder. But Adam Page gets up and climbs the ladder and gets the phone that he killed Joey Ryan with on being the elite. It was one of these old school phones that actually has a cord to it. I know a lot of kids don't know what those look like. <laughs> but <laughs> Adam Page beats on Joey Janela with the phone. And then he hits rites of passage off the ladder through the table for the win. Now, the visual of that 
was sick because the rites of passage is basically like a backwards tombstone power driver. Like instead of having the guy in the front, you have him kind of hanging off your back. And yeah, so they went off a ladder through the table for the win. Uh, after the match, literal walking dicks make their way out as Joey Bryant is revealed to be alive. He's resurrected. Adam Page is shocked as Joey Ryan makes his way to the ring. Joey Ryan oils up and Page yells that Ryan isn't real. Joey uses his dick to attack Page and he does the and he does the dick flip to Adam Page, of course. Joey then lays Page out with the super kick and then the dicks carry Adam Page away to the back. This was the complete opposite of the last match. I mean, it was just no build, but just all really silly spots. I loved it, though. Um, it was all being the elite, just silly storylines building up upon each other. And just, this is also the second Chicago Street fight I've seen live this year. And the other one was Gargano versus Ciampa. So I like this one a little bit less, but just because <laughs> that one had... A little bit more storyline, but Janela versus Paige was crazy. Like, they did spots that I would have never imagined that they would have done, like the rite of passage off the table and the dive off the cracker barrel into the crowd by Janela. That was the product placement on this night was just very smart. Um, and the Dick Druids. Yeah, yeah this that was... To set this up, uh, they came out, the the walking dicks, they came out like the druids, the Undertaker's druids with the low light and the music and everything. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a parody of, of the, you know, Undertaker anytime that he's come back in one of those grand fashions. So, just... Pro wrestling can be whatever you want it to be, and this was like a prime example of that. It's just, it's just a silly sport, isn't it? <laughs> This is the WrestleCast special edition review of All In. I'm joined by Michael of WrestleGrade, and I'm your host, Don DeLorente. So we're going to get into the ROH title match between Jay Lethal, excuse me, Black Machismo, and Flip Gordon. Flip Gordon hooks up and lays in big rights and does the Hulk Hogan point. He hits a big boot, and then he hits a Pele kick and a springboard sling blade. Flip Gordon goes up top, and but he jumps back down, and he hits a Samoan drop, and then running shooting star press, and then a corkscrew moonsault for two. They head up top, and Jay Lethal hits a super cutter from the top, and then a lethal injection, and Jay Lethal gets the win and retains the ROH title. After the match, Bully Ray attacks both men, and he gives a low blow to the genius Lanny Poffo. Bully Ray gets a table, and that's when Colt Cabana arrives to make the save. Colt Cabana, Jay Lethal, and Flip Gordon and then triple powerbomb Bully Ray through the table and stands off. So, the crowd was completely blown away by what they just saw from Joey Ryan at the beginning of this match. So, it was just awesome to see Black Machismo, and then the crowd was kind of quiet for a few minutes, and then... Flip Gordon always does. He picked up the pace and did all of his flip stuff. And I think Jay Lethal was really good in this match. I don't know. His Ring of Honor title reign kind of started unceremoniously. 
And so I think he needs to continue to prove himself because it's it's his second reign now. Yeah. Um, and I think he's one of the best Ring of Honor wrestlers. And I think he can continue to put on banger matches. But I think this got really good towards the end when Flip got into flippy shit mode and then put on some great sequences. And then uh, I really like the ending too with Lethal doing the super cutter off the top rope and then the lethal injection. Um, I really enjoyed all the Black Machismo stuff. But if I'm being honest, I didn't enjoy the Bully Ray stuff. He's just such a heel that I actually dislike him. It's like X-Pac level heat from when he was getting that. Um, Good to see Colt Cabana, the the hometown hero, put him to rest, though. Yeah, you uh, then Bully Ray's doing his job. He's definitely uh, living up to the moniker of being a heel if you don't like him that much, so. Yeah, tip, tip of the cap to Billy Ray. Yes. You got one hater out here for sure. <laughs> He's got a lot more. <laughs> Kenny Omega is next up, and he's facing Pentagon Zero, as they call them on this show. Kenny Omega hits a package pile driver for a great near fall. We get a V-trigger by Omega, and the one-winged angel is countered, and Pentagon Jr. Late looks to break Kenny's arm. The package pile driver connects, but Kenny Omega survives and kicks out. Pentagon looks for a super kick, but he gets countered, and Omega hits a V-trigger. Then we get a reverse Hurricane Rana for a two-count. We get the V-trigger, and the one-winged angel finally connects, and Kenny Omega gets the win. After the match, the lights go out, and then they come back on. Pentagon Jr. gets up, and then he starts to kick this shit out of Kenny Omega. Then all of a sudden, he hits a code breaker, and he starts to unmask, and it's revealed that it's Chris Jericho. Jericho hits another code breaker, gets on the mic, tells Kenny Omega that he'll see him on the cruise, throws the mic down, then he gets on a private plane with a glass of Tito's, and he puts it on Instagram, and he says he's going to do a show in Kansas City because he's a rock star, baby. This was quite something to see live. It was the best Japanese wrestling had to offer versus the best Mexican wrestling has to offer. It was just the angel versus the darkness. It was it was just great. I feel like it could have gone longer, but Omega's still healing injuries from the G1. And uh, Pentagon really hung with the best in the world in this match. He was obviously less of a star than Kenny was, but he was over with the Zero Miero chance, which was pretty awesome. Whenever he would get just slapped in the face, he would square right back up and do the Zero Miero. Um, it was The ending was great, too, with the near falls and then Omega doing the package pile driver. But my favorite spot of the match was the Pentagon Jr. package pile driver on the apron. That was some of the crazy Joey Janela versus hangman page level spots yeah, um i can't believe kenny took that <laughs> like you said he's still healing up from the g1 i can't believe he took that yeah i just if it would have went a little bit longer i like to do my star ratings that's a thing i like to do and not talk about them like they're religious but 
gave this match four and three quarters, and I think they could have stretched it to a five, but still awesome to see. And then it's the first and last time I'll mention this name on the podcast, but when the lights went out after the match, I thought it was CM Punk. I was guaranteed. I'm like, it's finally the time for him to come out at all in. So I was a little bit disappointed when I saw Y2J, and then I shook it off, and I'm like, it's freaking Chris Jericho here. That's awesome. But when those lights went off, man, I just looked around, and I was like, it's finally time. But they succeeded without him, and that's huge pops to the Bullet Club. Chris Jericho once again proving that he can do whatever the hell he wants in professional wrestling. He can show up everywhere, anywhere. You just never know. He's swerving people left and right. Uh, so, you know, he, he he's the man. And he's breaking down all types of walls, just like the song says. I mean, it's the first show he's ever appeared on outside of WWE in the United States since his WCW days. So, you know, that's, a, that's a, just a huge get for those guys at the last minute. And to give everybody a shock and surprise that they definitely weren't counting on. They were counting on something. And like you said, they thought it was going to be CM Punk, but they got Chris Jericho. So still gives everybody a wow factor to say, oh, man, I got to see Jericho do something cool. And I didn't expect it. Then we move on to the semi-main event. But before that, we get the uh, asshole hand guys from being the elite. They're making fun of Marty on his way to the ring. So he does his breaking their finger spot. So that was a real cool thing to lead up to the match. Th- this crowd was really here for Marty Scurll. I don't know if they felt like this was going to be his send-off or what, but they were really into Marty and into this match. It's the Rainmaker and the true Rainmaker, Okada versus Marty Scurll. The Okada entrance was fantastic. It was the traditional long coat Okada Rainmaker, Rainmaker Bucks falling from the sky. Did you get to some Rainmaker Bucks, Mike? Almost. <laughs> they were fighting for them like baseballs at a baseball game. It was crazy. Yeah, man. Those things are collector's items. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure they might have had like some special little all-in something on them so they were made special. I'm pretty sure they had something to, you know, differentiate them from the regular, you know, Omega Bucks. Okada Bucks, excuse me. But So Marty Squirrel blocks a Rainmaker and he does a broken finger spot. Then Okada hits the million dollar drop kick, but Marty counters the Rainmaker into the chicken wing. Okada fights his way out of the chicken wing, but Marty gets the chicken wing again. Okada escapes, and this time the ref gets taken out. Marty hits Okada with the umbrella, and then Skrull hits his own Rainmaker for a two count. Okada then counters the chicken wing and hits the Rainmaker. Marty dares Okada to bring it on. He fires up, but Okada hits another Rainmaker, and then he hits a third Rainmaker to finally get the win. So I went to the show with my dad, who knew nothing about the former being the elite buildup, but knew a very little bit from watching the press conference, and he loved Marty Skrull, because I think Marty Skrull is the underdog, like, anti-hero. Like, he's not so cheesy that you boo him because people don't want you to like him, like <clears throat> Roman Reigns. Um, but then it's, but he's comedic and he's the guy you want to see beat Okada, but it didn't happen. Um, and then my favorite moment, I think, of the night was when they knocked out special guest referee Tiger Hattori, and then Skrull hit uh, 
Okada with an umbrella and then hit the rain, and then hit the rainmaker on Okada. That was a crazy near fall because it's like Skrull finally did it. He cheated to beat Okada. But no, Okada's still a legend. Um this match standalone is probably one of my favorites of the year. It was just such a great wrestling logic match. And I know that's an unpopular opinion to call this one of the matches of the year, but it did go 12 minutes over time limit, which leads into the next match. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, uh, we'll talk about it once it's all said and done, but maybe this was the swan song for Marty Skrull because uh, like you said, they, they kind of went way longer than they should have. So that leads us to our main event where we have Phoenix Bandito and Rey Mysterio versus the Yum Bucks and Kota Ibushi. Rey Mysterio tags in and he runs the Yum Bucks into each other. A 619 is blocked and the Meltzer driver is cut off by Phoenix. Bandino hits a Hurricane Rana to the floor and then Ray hits a 619 and the Luchas run wild while Ray hits a Frog Splash for a two count. They set Matt up top but and Bandino hits a Spanish Fly Fall Away Slam for two but Nick makes a save. Nick is cut off by Super Kicks and then we get Super Kicks for all. Abushi gets back in and we get more bang for your buck on Bandino for two as Phoenix makes the save. The Young Bucks hit the Meltzer driver, and they get the pin on Bandito. So, as you said, they were rushed in this particular match. They got cut down about half the match that they had planned, but still, it was awesome because you put these six guys in here who can do all types of crazy flips and stuff and make them speed up and go faster. That's cool. Mm. <laughs> um, it was one of my finer flippy ship matches. It was um, great to see Rey Mysterio back in form, and Bandito was really great, too. It was my first Bandito match I've seen, and he just really showed up. Um, I think this match could have been match of the night, though. And I, when I was watching in the arena, I forgot about the Fight TV sponsorship that they had, that they had put this on Fight TV because I knew that Honor Club was going to let the pay-per-view go on. And so um, Fight TV was why it had to end at 10. Um, So I think I got to see closure. I got to see all of the Bullet Club come down and talk about the show. But if I once I rewatched it at home, I felt a little bit like if you were just watching this at home and been excited for it forever, you would feel a little bit chipped. And I think this was a weird choice for the main event too, um, because it would have been awesome to see Cody and Aldis in the main event. And then Cody grabbing the NWA title, like feel good moment to send everybody home happy. Um, because I think this main evented because it was supposed to be a classic. Um, but they rushed it. When you can, when you're watching it at home, you can see Nick Jackson's like, "It's time to go home," and then Phoenix breaks up a pin and then realizes he wasn't supposed to do that, so he just stands awkwardly ringside while they have to put away Bandito. Um, I like this match a lot. I feel like it could have totally been on a whole other level. Um, but I'm going to talk for a second about what happened after the match. So all of Bullet Club other than Marty's girl came down to the ring further continuing the talks of a send off. Um, 
and just talked about possibilities of an all-in-two and talked about how much of a success it was. And they all said it was their favorite match of the night, or not the favorite match of the night, favorite night of their careers. And they did talk about WWE and Roman Reigns and how WWE is fantastic, but there are, there are opportunities for people who want to watch different wrestling now, which hasn't always been the case. So I really appreciated this show for being able to show that if you just get tired of Roman Reigns down your throat, WWE is great, but you can watch stuff like this, which was the main point of having this show, to show people that wrestling is just a whole other world than it used to be. Yeah, um, Billy Corgan definitely has had the kind of right idea to say, hey, there's only one billion-dollar company, and there's no way that one of us is going to be able to compete. But if we all gang up together in some shape, form, or fashion, then you know we could collectively put together something that will get a whole different set of eyeballs that will have maybe not as many fans, but just as much passion and probably deliver a better product if they, you know, continue to, to work that way. And so, I mean, you had guys from Impact, you had wrestlers from, uh, you know, New Japan, ROH, PWG, um, you know, you had just different types of wrestling outside of WWE represented in just about every shape, form, and fashion. So that was what was really cool about it as well. Yeah, shout out to PWG too because I feel like they are way too underrated. Um, I bought a ton of wrestling DVDs and just watched them over the weekend. And man, some of my favorite matches of the year so far have been on those PWG DVDs. And it was awesome to see dudes like Joey Janela and Bandito live for the first time and be shocked by how good they were and then go home and continue their research. Just opened up more of a world. Now, a part of the live experience is the cosplay. So, who'd you see? What did you see that stood out to you uh, as people dressing up over the uh, four-day weekend here? They had some pretty good Kevin Owens's, honestly. <laughs> like, that was probably the best thing I saw. They had a good AJ Styles and Asuka. Um, they had this... They would run cosplay. They had a ton of vendors at StarCast that were related to cosplay and so there were people just coming in and out dressed like mostly WWE guys but I saw a couple good um young bucks never a Cody though like I guess that's hard to cosplay I mean I was thinking about going platinum blonde and working out a lot to go to this show but I decided not to <laughs> uh would have done my own Cody cosplay um but cosplay was pretty good at this convention I mean, it was my first con- wrestling-related convention, too. Um, it's great to see all these people live that love the same thing as I do. So, would you think that this could be maybe a permanent home for this? Like, if they decided to go, I know they're maybe talking about trying to go bigger, maybe do 20000 So, that makes people automatically think, you know, MSG or some type of, you know, the form in L.A. or something like that. But do you think that maybe that they should just kind of keep it here in Chicago where it's kind of centrally located? It's real easy to get to from wherever, whether you're international or here in the States. 
do you think maybe they should just kind of keep it there and that just be the home of this new indie type of WrestleMania? I mean, obviously, I want them to keep it there so I can keep going. Um, but yeah, I feel like Chicago is a really good market for wrestling and that it might have gone differently if it wasn't in Chicago. Um, I also feel like they could test with California, but California has been a very WWE-centric place for a while. But New Japan and Ring of Honor did just sell out Madison Square Garden, their WWE's like flagship arena. Um, yeah, I want it to be in Chicago, and I think a lot of it will be in Chicago, but they've got... I wouldn't expect this to be a yearly thing. They look so tired. I think they're going to do another all-in, and I think it's going to be much bigger. They're wrestling arenas in Chicago, though. Might So they have United Center, which is like a 30,000-seat place, and then they have Allstate Arena, which... WWE is under contract with. So if they think they could sell 30,000 30, seats, they got to put all their poker cards on the table and go all in for that. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. And yeah, I heard that it's hard to, uh, it's hard to get that many people in the United Center. I don't, I think WCW at the height of their run might have been one of the few people to actually sell it all the way out that wasn't like a sporting event. Yeah, they up until recently they had WrestleManias there. I think they had WrestleMania 22 if I'm right in all in United Center. Mm-hmm. So um that used to be their home and then Allstate Arena signed them to a contract. So I don't WWE might own Allstate Arena, but I think that's the next step probably for them. I mean, it's really weird driving by seeing that wrestling has taken over Chicago because you see to the right, uh, Raw is in Chicago on October 8th. And so there was a Raw billboard right next to an all-in billboard um, just driving by Allstate Arena. It's interesting to see how wrestling has just totally changed the landscape of the city. And Pro Wrestling Tees, too, was busy. I go there on a frequent basis, and it was just people lined out the door even when there wasn't punk or Okada me in Greece, which they had over the weekend. Um, Chicago's probably, and I'm a little bit biased, one of the best indie wrestling markets right now. Well, that's, that's awesome, man. I'm glad that uh, I got a chance to talk to you about your experience. Glad you hit me up about trying to uh, put together this podcast. And uh, so we can just kind of hear about such a cool event, you know, Definitely something that started on a dare. Dave Meltzer, you know, opened his mouth and said, yeah, indie wrestling's big, but it's not like they could ever get 10,000 people to one event. And uh, Cody said, hold my beer. And he grabbed the Young Bucks and they and they threw the power of being the elite and YouTube basically pulled it off. So congratulations to them. And uh, Michael, at this time, if you want to give a shout out, let people know where they can follow you on Twitter and where they can follow your website and uh, where they can read your reviews um i'm on wrestlegrade.com and my twitter is at wrestlegrade i mean it was pretty easy to snag that name because nobody had it so wrestlegrade is pretty much my home for uh reviews and news and all things wrestling um and shout out to conrad thompson i think too for putting together such an awesome weekend event and then Cody and the Bucks for the huge show. 
My one shout out will be just everybody that's listening to just try out the new CSPN Patreon page. Go over to patreon.com forward slash CSPN media. Sign up to become a CSPN backstage member and you'll get some exclusive podcasts from all the shows here on the network that don't show up on our regular feed. So we've got some, you know, behind the scenes, some, you know, things that happened before some of the regular podcasts get recorded and we've got brand new shows that some of our hosts also do as well. So please go over to, like I said, our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash CSPN media. So for Michael, I'm Don DeLorente. This has been a very special edition of the WrestleCast as we reviewed all in. Thank you for listening.